0: as we search out the Word together. Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching of your Word to save the sinner and sanctify the saint. And may we understand Good Friday a little bit better because of this time together. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. There's so many things that I could highlight from Uh, any number of the gospel accounts of this passage, um, of this passion, and uh, I'm going to keep this very simple. Um, Just taking a a casual read um, through the gospel of Luke's account in chapter 23, I noticed something interesting, that there's four cries of injustice as Jesus is being tried and crucified. And ultimately, what I think this shows us is that there is a great injustice in Jesus being crucified because he was innocent. And yet, in that injustice, there is a satisfaction of divine judgment. And so, in the way that this plays out, you see four cries of injustice from Pilate, from Herod, from a criminal, and from a centurion. In verse 4, we see Pilate say, you have said so. Jesus says, you have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. Pilate goes on a second time in verse 14 after he sends Jesus to Herod. And then Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate. Pilate says this, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod. That's our second cry of injustice. For he has sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. Pilate, a third time, in verse 22, the people are crying for Pilate to crucify him. And a third time he said to them, Why? Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. I'm going to come back to the criminal at the end of our time. But the centurion in verse 47, this is the scene where between the hours of noon and 3 p.m. when the sun is the brightest in the day, it says that the sun was not shining and that the temple was, Uh, curtain was torn in two and at this Jesus breathes his last committing his spirit into the, the father's hands and it says in verse 47 now when the centurion saw what had taken place he praised God saying certainly this man was innocent. Four voices of innocence and yet divine justice was still satisfied you see this is the world's greatest injustice because here we have the sinless son of God the only one of us, truly righteous in God's sight through his good deeds and absence of bad deeds, the greatest injustice of all. And he's put to death by wicked men. Yet, even though this is an incredible injustice, this satisfies divine justice. Three times in Luke's gospel, Jesus foretells of his suffering and his death. Three times. He knew the necessity of, He knew the necessity of what it takes to satisfy God's judgment. He knew the sin of all of us, and he had to pay that price for us. That's why in chapter 9, verse 51 of Luke's account, Jesus, it says, sets his face to Jerusalem. That's showing that he is intending to go to Jerusalem for this very purpose, that he's intending to suffer and die for his people so that they don't have to so that the punishment and sin and condemnation would be expunged from us and that we would be counted righteous in His sight. He understood that a great injustice would take place, and it would cost Him severely. It would cost Him the most of anyone who's ever suffered anything. It would cost Him shame, the nakedness of the cross. It would cost Him the humiliation and the rejection of His friends. It would cost the Father turning His face away from Him. It would cost Him incredible agony and suffering Did you know that in the crucifixion, something like a railroad spike would be driven between the ulna and the radius of his forearm bones? And that right in between there, there's something called the median nerve. And that nerve controls everything that you feel in your hands. And that spike would have crushed that nerve. The word excruciating comes from the Latin translation of crucify. And that word means an unbearable agony. It means something like the pain of the crucifixion. The word excruciating relates to us the pain that Jesus would have felt. The suffering would have been intense. And ultimately, he would have died of asphyxiation, hanging on the cross from his limbs, as he couldn't no longer breathe and hold himself up. And you've got to understand that Jesus on Good Friday, was willfully subjecting himself to this. Throughout his entire earthly ministry, he had set his face for this very purpose. That's why he came. He came to save the sinners. He came to save his people. Isaiah 53, 7 is really helpful here. We read this passage earlier. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb, That is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. This picture of a lamb is the picture of ultimate humility and meekness and, and just gentleness. And Jesus is that lamb going to the slaughter, reminding us of Exodus 12, the Passover lamb. Jesus is the true Passover lamb. See, Jesus didn't run away from the cross. He ran directly to the cross. He did that to pay for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. So why is it necessary? Why was it necessary that he had to suffer these things? Because I am a sinful man. In my flesh, I am completely opposed to God's will, his law, the king, the kingdom. I'm opposed to it all. And anyone who relates as a sinner, that's the truth of your story. Outside of God's creating a new, a new heart and a new flesh, being born of the Spirit, that's all of us. And so there's the necessity of punishment, of death, because God, yes, God is is a loving Father, but God is also a just judge who must punish sin. And so there is a necessity of that punishment being paid. And so the only way that we have grace is because judgment was laid upon him. The only way that we could be seen as righteous is because of his righteousness or because of his innocence. The only way that we can be at one with God is because of the at that he made with God. He atoned for our sin. The literal word there is at-one-ment. He made atonement for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, "For he made him, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. That's what Christ did for us. And so today, Good Friday, this is a day where we both mourn and we rejoice. We mourn over the fact that our sin is what held him to the cross. It wasn't the power of the spike. It wasn't the power of the Roman Empire. It was love that held him to the cross, and so we mourn. And yet we also can celebrate and rejoice in the fact that through that, incredible, willful, lamb-like sacrifice, we can be forgiven and truly at peace with God. Isaiah 53, 5 is so helpful here. 5 and 6, it says, But He, Christ, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. And we, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Unlike Jesus, the lamb, the sheep, we go astray. He goes to the cross. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I said I was going to come back and talk about the criminal. The criminal was the fourth person, historical person, who cried out innocence over Jesus' crucifixion. I want us to look at verses 39 through 42 for just a second. You've got to understand, the criminal understood two things that are really important. The criminal understood that he was guilty and deserving condemnation. And that led him to understand he had a need for a Savior, and he knew that Jesus was his Savior. Verses 39 through 42 says this, And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, and Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Where this man recognized he had guilt and was deserving condemnation, now all he has is forgiveness and grace. And that's the same for us if we understand our need of a Savior. And we hear in Jesus' response that today you will be with me in paradise. So I want to address two groups in here. Uh, I want to address the religious, and I want to address the irreligious. Um, I don't know all of you, so uh, I've seen a lot of you here before, but that doesn't mean you're religious necessarily. To the religious, I would say it doesn't matter how often you come to church, um, how much you tithe, how much you evangelize, how much you serve the poor, how holy and good you look on the outside. In one way, it really doesn't matter. And to the irreligious, I would say it really doesn't matter your history with drugs, sex, alcohol, rock and roll, any of those things, in one way. It's whether or not you see that you are deserving condemnation, like the criminal, and that you see your need for a Savior, and that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, the only true Savior, because Jesus is the only one who actually atones for sins. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, none of it. Jesus is the only one who is righteous, earning God's favor, earning God's righteousness, and he's the only one who gives that to you in exchange for your sin. So today on Good Friday, I invite you to mourn your sin, confess your sin. I invite you to confess to the Lord. I invite you to also celebrate because it's on this day the propitiation has been made. Salvation has come. Let us celebrate.